Hey, grown-ups, warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Factor has a menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So, no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Head to factormeals.com slash tales50. That's T-A-L-E-S 5-0. And use code tales50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code tales50 at factormeals.com. Dot com slash tales 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Hey grown-ups, I have something exciting to share with you. There's a brand new kids podcast out now that I think you're going to love. It's called Mysteries About True Histories. This show is perfect if you love adventures, solving riddles, and maybe even some wacky math problems. But I need a little help from some new friends to tell you more. Max and Molly, take it away. From the creators of Who Smarted, Starglow Media comes a brand new podcast called Mysteries About True Histories. Uh, does that sound serious enough? Uh, Max, we only have 30 seconds for this promo. Just tell them how your mysterious aunt recruited us into a secret order of problem solvers who travel time and have epic adventures. I don't have to. You just did. Catch new episodes of Mysteries About True Histories every Thursday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Tailblazers. I'm Rebecca Cunningham, and this is Girl Tales, a kids' podcast of feminist stories for a new generation. Before we get started, I want to wish a very happy birthday to Lachlan Moody. Lachlan, I hope you have an awesome day. Thank you so much for listening to Girl Tales. Grown Ups Girl Tales is brought to you by families like yours. If you'd like to hear your child's name, or if you'd like me to wish them happy birthday, head to patreon.com slash girltales and donate today. Now on to our episode. This is a Cratchit Christmas. Enjoy! I'd like to tell you about a friend of mine. My friend Belinda is the great aunt of another friend you may remember, Shirley Holmes. Belinda taught Shirley everything she knows about mechanical engineering. That's the science of how things move, like motors, simple machines, and complex machines. Belinda grew up a long, long time ago in London, and she told me about one very special Christmas she spent with her family. Belinda Cratchit was tinkering away in the corner of her family's one-room house in London. Her mother was washing a cabbage, her brother Peter was clearing the chimney, and her sister Martha was sewing a doll for their youngest sister Nell, who was just a baby. They had another brother, Tim, who was singing with carolers in the square. He usually made a few shillings that way at Christmas, because he had a beautiful singing voice. 
Belinda's father was at work. Bob Cratchit was her dad, and he worked for the meanest, stingiest, greediest, and least fun person that had ever lived. You may have heard of him. His name was Ebenezer Scrooge. He was as mean as his name. You try saying that name. Ebenezer Scrooge. It makes my face go all funny to say his name. Belinda's father was working at Mr. Scrooge's shop, even on Christmas Eve, which is exactly the day this story happened. Belinda was tinkering, but with what? Well, she had a doll's chair, and she was adding wheels from a toy wagon. She was working on a model for a wheelchair. You see, her brother, Tim, the one with the great singing voice, had been born with a disability. Walking was very hard for him, and he used a crutch to get around London. Belinda was designing a chair on wheels that would make it easier for Tim to get around. That's coming along nicely. You might want to add a pair of small wheels at the front for balance and stability, said Belinda's mom. Thanks, Mom. That's a great idea, Belinda replied. Just then, her father burst in the door, carrying her brother, Tim. Papa! Tim! Huzzah! It's almost Christmas! All the Cratchit children were happy to see their dad and Tim. How are you, my dears? Bob Cratchit greeted his family. Come in and get warm, darling, said Mrs. Cratchit. Peter's cleaned the chimney and we'll have a lovely fire going in no time. And what has my brilliant Belinda been working on today? Asked Belinda's dad. Here, Papa, I'm nearly done with the model. Mum suggested the wheels at the front, and now I've added footrests. Next step is to build the wheelchair to scale. Tim piped up. And will I be able to push it myself? Yes, Tim, you'll be able to push it by the wheels, or one of us can push you, explained Belinda. There's an old chair at Mr. Pennywell's furniture shop he says I can have, and I already acquired two old bicycle wheels. Once I have the small wheels for the front, Tim, you'll be rolling through London in no time. Tim beamed. They all sat down to dinner together. Martha had gathered some rosemary to add to the cabbage stew their mother had prepared, and though it was a meager dinner, to them it was a feast. The Cratchit family loved each other and took care of each other and knew just how lucky they were to be together. After dinner, their father would tell the Cratchit kids about mean, old Mr. Scrooge. Today, he told his own nephew, Humbug, and said Christmas was a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. (laughs) (laughs) But Mr. Scrooge gave me Christmas Day off, so we'll have the loveliest Christmas yet, my dears. Belinda wished there was a way to make Mr. Scrooge a little... kinder. He had a lot of money, and maybe if he was kinder, he'd finance some of her inventions. Tim's wheelchair, a water pump for washing, lots of things that would make life easier. But Mr. Scrooge was only interested in making more money, not helping people. Belinda wondered if there was a way to help Mr. Scrooge see that generosity, love, and kindness brighten the world. That's the whole point of Christmas, 
Even though she was a kid, she knew that being greedy and mean toward others was no way to live. The wheels started to turn in her mind, and she was forming an idea. Right, my little loves, said Belinda's mom. Time to get off to bed. Christmas Day is tomorrow. All the Cratchit children slept in a corner of their one-room house. There was a big bed made of hay and wrapped in soft cloth their mother had made. And they were all tucked in together under a big blue blanket. The warmth of the fire and warm dinner made all the Cratchits sleepy. And they were soon dreaming of Christmas and snow and fairies and sweets. All except Belinda. Her mind was working away, planning how to change Mr. Scrooge. She had seen a boy in the toy shop that made light appear on a wall. And when paper moved in front of the light, shadows danced and appeared alive. She was fairly certain she could replicate that light with a candle and a magnifying glass that Peter kept with his school supplies. And she could borrow a page from Martha's book about fairies and ghosts. Yes, Belinda was hatching a plan to help Mr. Scrooge learn that love is more important than money. Once she was sure everyone else was asleep, Belinda tapped Martha on the shoulder. She calculated that she needed one of her siblings to help, and Martha was responsible, but usually up for an adventure. Martha, wake up, Belinda whispered. What is it? Martha groggily replied. Belinda felt sorry to wake her because Martha was always busy, either working in the Milner shop or helping mother with baby Nell. She probably needed some sleep, but Belinda's plan was too big for her alone. I have a plan to change Mr. Scrooge. What? Are you dreaming? Martha would need convincing, so Belinda beckoned her up from bed and over to the chimney. I have a plan. Belinda explained her plan to Martha, who slowly started to nod in agreement. This was a very clever plan. But can we do it all in one night? Martha asked. Belinda nodded and started gathering the supplies she needed. She grabbed the fairy and ghost book, a candle, Peter's magnifying glass, and a few other trinkets. Near the door was a pair of Christmas bells, and a holly sprig, which she popped in a bag with the rest. Belinda and Martha quietly put their shoes and their shawls, coats, hats, and gloves on. They snuck out the front door, quiet as mice, and set off across London to Mr. Scrooge's house. They didn't notice little Tim awake and getting ready to follow them. Martha and Belinda flitted across London. It was dark, and snow was starting to fall. They saw candles in windows, wreaths on doors, and little reminders of Christmas everywhere. Until they got to Mr. Scrooge's house. His house was completely dark, except for a bit of firelight in a window. And there were no Christmas decorations because Scrooge didn't care about giving anyone cheer or delight. He only cared about saving his money and getting more of it. What now? 
Martha whispered to Belinda. But Belinda was already pulling things out of her bag. She handed the candle to Martha and carefully opened the book. Martha, may I use this page? I'll have to take it out of the book, I'm afraid. Martha thought for a moment. All right, she said. Martha loved books and hated to see a page torn out, but she thought Belinda's plan might just work, and a changed Mr. Scrooge could mean a better life for her whole family. Belinda got to work. She carefully tore out the page with a picture of a fairy and placed it against Mr. Scrooge's window. Martha ran and lit the candle from a street lamp. There were gas lamps back in those days. Belinda lined everything up. The candle, the magnifying glass, the image. Something wasn't quite working. Of course, Belinda exclaimed. We have to block out the extra light, creating a tunnel of light from the candle to the picture. Martha, pull this side of my cloak and I'll hold this side of yours. They arranged their cloaks around the magnifying glass, creating a tunnel for the light to travel through. And there, they saw it. The picture cast a shadow on Mr. Scrooge's wall. It flickered with the candlelight and looked alive. They heard Mr. Scrooge from inside his house. <gasps> Spirit! Martha got an idea. Yes! She shouted. I am the spirit of Christmas past, Ebenezer Scrooge. Look at your past. And then Scrooge fainted. Oh no, he's died of fright. Martha covered her eyes. I think he just fainted. Belinda comforted her. A new voice spoke out in the dark. Who fainted? Both girls screamed and turned. <coughs> it was Tim. How did you get what here? What are you doing? Did you come all this Don't way? Don't scare us like that. Belinda and Martha bombarded Tim with questions. Well, I saw you two going outside and I thought you might need some protection. Tim stated. Come on, let's go home. Mother and father might wake up and see us all missing and be cross or be extremely worried. Belinda started back the way they had come. What are you two doing? Tim asked. Belinda explained her plan. Tim, who had a heart of gold and love for everyone and everything, nodded. We must help Mr. Scrooge, he said. Martha was in no mood to help Mr. Scrooge, especially as Belinda's idea of help seemed to be frightening Scrooge into an early grave. But she also did not want to argue with her two headstrong younger siblings. Fine, she agreed. Just then, through the window, they saw Mr. Scrooge sit up and look around. They ducked below the window as he peered outside. Humbug, he said. When they peeked inside, they saw that Mr. Scrooge had gotten into bed and blown out his candle. Right, time for part two of the plan. Belinda took the holly and another page from the book, this one with a large and friendly-looking ghost, the magnifying glass, and the Christmas bells, and set up a new projection. The three children made a tunnel of light from their cloaks, and Tim gently shook the Christmas bells. Scrooge awoke with a start. The ghost on the wall wore holly and danced as if it were alive. Oh, who are you? A second spirit? 
Yes, shouted Tim. I am the spirit of Christmas present, and the spirit of generosity and kindness lives in me. And with that, Mr. Scrooge fainted again. Belinda is too scary for him, Martha scolded her younger sister. But Belinda and Tim giggled. (laughs) I bet he's having quite a good dream, Tim chuckled. Belinda smiled. Now it was time to prepare for the trickiest part of the plan. They were quite certain Mr. Scrooge would look out the window when he woke up, just like he did after the first ghostly visit. And when he did, they would have one final vision for him. Martha, Belinda, and Tim tied their cloaks together. Belinda picked up a large branch that had fallen from a nearby tree, and they waited for Mr. Scrooge to awaken. Soon enough, he sat up and rubbed his eyes. Now, Belinda instructed, and Tim hopped on her back, and Martha put the cloak over Tim's head before bending down for Belinda to stand up on her back. The three of them were stacked up and as tall as a frightening spirit when Mr. Scrooge looked out his window. Are you the spirit of Christmas yet to come? Scrooge cried out. Tim nodded slowly, his face hidden under the cloak, and Belinda pointed the long, thin branch at Mr. Scrooge. Well, it must have worked the way she hoped, because Mr. Scrooge fainted immediately. Honestly, he is not very brave, said Martha, muffled by the cloak and straining under the weight of her sister and brother. They carefully climbed down, and Martha stood back up. Belinda wondered if these three ghostly apparitions would be enough to make Mr. Scrooge more generous and kind. It seemed impossible, but he was so very mean. Tim clambered up to the window to look down at Mr. Scrooge. He's out cold, Tim said. Then he sang a little Christmas song to Mr. Scrooge. Bring me mead and bring me wine, bring me pine logs hither. Thou and I will see him dine when we bear him thither. Therefore, Christian men, be sure, wealth or rank possessing. Ye who now will bless the poor, shall yourselves find blessing. Belinda gathered everything up and put it back in her bag. Then the children traipsed back home. The journey home felt longer than the journey to Mr. Scrooge's, and the sun was already starting to rise as they got home. Their mother was awake and nursing the baby when they opened the door. Well, there you are. What woke you three so early? Mother asked, slightly suspiciously. Oh, well... Belinda started. You see... Tim tried. They were helping me. Martha said definitively. Is that so? Their mother was very, very clever, and she sensed that there was something going on. Yes, I wanted to get some kindling for the fire, Martha explained. Belinda held up the branch. Yes, kindling. That's very thoughtful of you all, thank you. Well, you are up very early, their mother said. Why don't you rest for a little bit before Christmas breakfast? Thankful to get a few hours of sleep before the day began, Martha, Belinda, and Tim slipped back to bed and fell into a deep and lovely sleep. They awoke to someone pounding at the door. 
Bang, bang, bang. It sounded like someone was very angry. Their father opened the door to find Mr. Scrooge outside. Belinda, Martha, and Tim looked at each other. Could it be he found out who had caused his frights last night? Did they accidentally get their dad in trouble? What would become of them if Mr. Scrooge fired their dad? Cratchit. Scrooge sounded as mean as ever. Why haven't you reported to work? Well, sir, you did give me the day off for Christmas, sir, Bob answered. What's Christmas got to do with anything? Scrooge retorted. Their mother joined their father at the door. Mr. Scrooge, would you like to come in? I'm sure we can discuss. Yes, I will come in. And, Bob Cratchit, we will discuss the fact that I am going to raise your salary. A silence fell over the Cratchit family home. Raise my salary? Bob Cratchit whispered. The Cratchit family were so surprised that their eyebrows went all the way to the top of their heads. Yes, Bob, you have always been a good employee, and I have been a very poor employer these many years. I hope I can make it up to you, and I hope your children and your lovely wife will also let me make it up to them. I've brought a bit of Christmas cheer, some toys for the children, and a great big goose to cook for Christmas dinner. I don't know what to say, Mr. Scrooge, said Bob Cratchit. Thank you, Mr. Scrooge, said Mrs. Cratchit. Thank you, Mr. Scrooge. Belinda, Tim, and Martha all shouted, and they all ran to hug him. The whole Cratchit family embraced Mr. Scrooge, and that Christmas they all spent together. Tim sang for Mr. Scrooge, Belinda showed him her inventions, and Martha sewed a Christmas decoration for his hat. After that, Mr. Scrooge learned to be more generous. He financed Belinda's inventions, including Tim's wheelchair, and she became an inventor and engineer. Scrooge ensured Tim had the best doctors caring for him so that he could become a professional singer. Scrooge even invested in the hat shop where Martha worked. Eventually, she became the owner of one of the best hat shops in London. Years later, Belinda, Tim, and Martha told Mr. Scrooge how they had created ghosts trying to change him. Mr. Scrooge wasn't angry. He explained that he had been haunted by the ghosts of his greed for a long, long time, and he thanked them for helping him change. To live a life of kindness, love, and generosity. That's the story my friend Belinda shared with me. And that's what I wish for you, Tailblazers. Kindness, love, and generosity. See you next time. That was A Cratchit Christmas, written, produced, and performed by Tessa Flannery. Performed and executive produced by me, Rebecca Cunningham, and original theme music by Eli Denby Wood and Amy Geisbers Van Wyck. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love this story, share it with a friend. Remember, I believe in you. 
be strong in the night. You gotta remember, yeah, you gotta remember.